Chapter Eleven of *The Surgeon's Daughter* by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Chapter the Eleventh. The exact hour assigned found Hartley at the door of the rich native merchant, who, having some reasons for wishing to oblige the Begum Montreville, had relinquished for her accommodation and that of her numerous retinue almost the whole of his large and sumptuous residence in the black town of Madras, as that district of the city is called which the natives occupy a domestic at the first summons ushered the visitor into an apartment where he expected to be joined by miss gray the room opened on one side into a small garden or parterre filled with the brilliant colored flowers of eastern climates in the midst of which the waters of a fountain rose upwards in a sparkling jet and fell back again into a white marble cistern a thousand dizzy recollections thronged on the mind of hartley whose early feelings towards the companion of his youth if they had slumbered during distance and the various casualties of a busy life were revived when he found himself placed so near her and in circumstances which interested from their unexpected occurrence and mysterious character a step was heard the door opened a female appeared but it was the portly form of madame de montreville what do you please to want sir said the lady that is if you have found your tongue this morning which you had lost yesterday i proposed myself the honour of waiting upon the young person whom i saw in your excellency's company yesterday morning answered hartley with assumed respect i have had long the honour of being known to her in europe and i desire to offer my services to her in india much obliged much obliged but miss gray is gone out and does not return for one or two days you may leave your commands with me pardon me madam replied hartley but i have some reason to hope you may be mistaken in this matter and here comes the lady herself how is this my dear said mrs montreville with unruffled front to many as she entered are you not gone out for two or three days as i tell this gentleman it is all one thing you will say how do you do and good-bye to monsieur who is so polite as to come to ask after our helps and as he sees us both very well he will go away home again i believe madam said miss gray with appearance of effort that i must speak with this gentleman for a few minutes in private if you will permit me that is to say get you gone but i do not allow that i do not like private conversation between young man and pretty young woman it cannot be in my house 
it may be out of it then, madam, answered Miss Gray, not pettishly nor pertly, but with the utmost simplicity. Mr. Hartley, will you step into that garden? And you, madam, may observe us from the window, if it be the fashion of the country to watch so closely. As she spoke this, she stepped through a lattice door into the garden, and with an air so simple that it seemed as if she wished to comply with her patroness's ideas of decorum though they appeared strange to her the queen of sheba notwithstanding her natural assurance was disconcerted by the composure of miss gray's manner and left the room apparently in displeasure many turned back to the door which opened into the garden and said in the same manner as before but with less nonchalance i am sure i would not willingly break through the rules of a foreign country but i cannot refuse myself the pleasure of speaking to so old a friend if indeed she added pausing and looking at hartley who was much embarrassed it be as much pleasure to mr hartley as it is to me it would have been said hartley scarce knowing what he said it must be a pleasure to me in every circumstance at this extraordinary meeting but your father minnie gray's handkerchief was at her eyes he is gone mr hartley after he was left unassisted his toilsome business became too much for him he caught a cold which hung about him as you know he was the last to attend to his own complaints till it assumed a dangerous and finally a fatal character i distress you mr hartley but it becomes you well to be affected my father loved you dearly oh miss gray said hartley it should not have been thus with my excellent friend at the close of his useful and virtuous life alas wherefore the question bursts from me involuntarily wherefore could you not have complied with his wishes wherefore do not ask me said she stopping the question which was on his lips we are not the formers of our own destiny it is painful to talk on such a subject but for once and for ever let me tell you that i should have done mr hartley wrong if even to secure his assistance to my father i had accepted his hand while my wayward affections did not accompany the act but wherefore do i see you here many forgive me miss gray my tongue as well as my heart turns back to long-forgotten scenes but why here why with this woman she is not indeed everything that i expected answered many but i must not be prejudiced by foreign manners after the step i have taken she is besides attentive and generous in her way and i shall soon she paused a moment and then added under better protection that of richard middlemas said hartley with a faltering voice i ought not perhaps to answer the question said many but i am a bad dissembler and those whom i trust i trust entirely you have guessed right mr hartley she added 
coloring a good deal, I have come hither to unite my fate to that of your old comrade. It is then just as I feared, exclaimed Hartley. And why should Mr. Hartley fear, said Many Gray? I used to think you too generous. Surely the quarrel which occurred long since ought not to perpetuate suspicion and resentment at least if the feeling of resentment remained in my own bosom it would be the last i should intrude upon you miss gray answered hartley but it is for you and for you alone that i am watchful this person this gentleman whom you mean to entrust with your happiness do you know where he is and in what service i know both more distinctly perhaps than mr hartley can do mr middlemass has erred greatly and has been severely punished but it was not in the time of his exile and sorrow that she who has plighted her faith to him should with the flattering world turn her back upon him besides you have doubtless not heard of his hopes of being restored to his country and his rank i have answered hartley thrown off his guard but i see not how he can deserve it otherwise than by becoming a traitor to his new master and thus rendering himself even more unworthy of confidence than i hold him to be at this moment it is well that he hears you not answered many gray resenting with natural feeling the imputation on her lover then instantly softening her tone she added my voice ought not to aggravate but to soothe your quarrel mr hartley i plight my word to you that you do richard wrong she said these words with affected calmness suppressing all appearance of that displeasure of which she was evidently sensible upon this depreciation of a beloved object hartley compelled himself to answer in the same strain miss gray he said your actions and motives will always be those of an angel but let me entreat you to view this most important matter with the eyes of worldly wisdom and prudence have you well weighed the risks attending the course which you are taking in favour of a man who nay i will not again offend you who may i hope deserve your favour when i wished to see you in this manner mr hartley and declined a communication in public where we could have had less freedom of conversation it was with the view of telling you everything some pain i thought old recollections might give but i trusted it would be momentary and as i desire to retain your friendship it is proper i should show that i still deserve it i must then first tell you my situation after my father's death in the world's opinion we were always poor you know but in the proper sense i had not known what real poverty was until i was placed in dependence upon a distant relation of my poor father who made our relationship a reason for casting upon me all the drudgery of her household while she would not allow that it gave me a claim to countenance 
kindness, or anything but the relief of my most pressing wants. In these circumstances I received from Mr. Middlemass a letter in which he related his fatal duel and its consequences. He had not dared to write to me to share his misery. Now, when he was in a lucrative situation under the patronage of a powerful prince, whose wisdom knew how to prize and protect such Europeans as entered his service, now when he had every prospect of rendering our government such essential service by his interest with Hyder Ali, and might eventually nourish hopes of being permitted to return and stand his trial for the death of his commanding officer, now he pressed me to come to India and share his reviving fortunes by accomplishing the engagement into which we had long ago entered a considerable sum of money accompanied this letter mrs duffer was pointed out as a respectable woman who would protect me during the passage mrs montreville a lady of rank having large possessions and high interest in the mysore would receive me on my arrival at fort st george and conduct me safely to the dominions of hyder it was farther recommended that considering the peculiar situation of mr middlemass his name should be concealed in the transaction and that the ostensible cause of my voyage should be to fill an office in that lady's family what was i to do my duty to my poor father was ended and my other friends considered the proposal as too advantageous to be rejected the references given the sum of money lodged were considered as putting all scruples out of the question and my immediate protectress and kinswoman was so earnest that i should accept of the offer made me as to intimate that she would not encourage me to stand in my own light by continuing to give me shelter and food she gave me little more if i was foolish enough to refuse compliance sordid wretch said hartley how little did she deserve such a charge let me speak a proud word mr hartley and then you will not perhaps blame my relations so much all their persuasions and even their threats would have failed in inducing me to take a step which has an appearance at least to which i found it difficult to reconcile myself but i had loved middlemas i love him still why should i deny it and i have not hesitated to trust him had it not been for the small still voice which reminded me of my engagements i had maintained more stubbornly the pride of womanhood and as you would perhaps have recommended i might have expected at least that my lover should have come to britain in person and might have had the vanity to think she added smiling faintly that if i were worth having i was worth fetching yet now even now answered hartley be just to yourself while you are generous to your lover nay do not look angrily but hear me i doubt the propriety of your being under the charge 
of this unsexed woman who can no longer be termed a european i have interest enough with females of the highest rank in the settlement this climate is that of generosity and hospitality there is not one of them who knowing your character and history will not desire to have you in her society and under her protection until your lover shall be able to vindicate his title to your hand in the face of the world i myself will be no cause of suspicion to him or of inconvenience to you many let me but have your consent to the arrangement i propose and the same moment that sees you under honourable and unsuspected protection i will leave madras not to return till your destiny is in one way or other permanently fixed no hartley said miss grey it may it must be friendly in you thus to advise me but it would be most base in me to advance my own affairs at the expense of your prospects besides what would this be but taking the chance of contingencies with the view of sharing poor middlemass's fortunes should they prove prosperous and casting him off should they be otherwise tell me only do you of your own positive knowledge aver that you consider this woman as an unworthy and unfit protectress for so young a person as i am of my own knowledge i can say nothing nay i must own that reports differ even concerning mrs montraville's character but surely the mere suspicion the mere suspicion mr hartley can have no weight with me considering that i can oppose to it the testimony of the man with whom i am willing to share my future fortunes you acknowledge the question is but doubtful and should not the assertion of him of whom i think so highly decide my belief in a doubtful matter what indeed must he be should this madame montraville be other than he represented her what must he be indeed thought hartley internally but his lips uttered not the words he looked down in a deep reverie and at length started from it at the words of miss grey it is time to remind you mr hartley that we must needs part god bless and preserve you and you dearest many exclaimed hartley as he sunk on one knee and pressed to his lips the hand which she held out to him god bless you you must deserve blessing god bless you you must need protection oh should things prove different from what you hope send for me instantly and if man can aid you adam hartley will he placed in her hand a card containing his address he then rushed from the apartment in the hall he met the lady of the mansion who made him a haughty reverence in token of adieu while a native servant of the upper class by whom she was attended made a low and reverential salaam hartley hastened from the black town more satisfied than before that some deceit was about to be practised towards many grey more determined than ever to exert himself for her preservation yet more completely perplexed 
when he began to consider the doubtful character of the danger to which she might be exposed and the scanty means of protection which she had to oppose to it End of chapter the eleventh